Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Deepwater Podcast. Really glad you could join us today. Today, I wanted to talk about a topic, and this is going to fit more in the genre of being a disciple. Now, if we're going to make disciples, we have to first of all be a disciple. And the thing I want to talk to us about today, this is me talking to me as well as me talking to you, it's about prayer. Maybe we could even call it the being a praying disciple maker, or just being a praying disciple. I think it's almost impossible to be a disciple maker if you're not being a praying disciple disciple maker. So the the issue is this though, intellectually we know that we need more prayer. I have talked to zero people in my whole life that are like that were that have have any relationship with God <laughs> that were like, yeah, I, th- I think I'm praying enough. I think I'm completely satisfied with my prayer life. Most people I've talked to and maybe there's somewhere out there someone that didn't, but everyone I've talked to would admit I need more prayer. Intellectually we know we need prayer. But practically, we just don't pray as much. And we substitute that with all kinds of different things. And in fact, if we looked at our churches in the West, and if if an outsider, let's say someone came from another country, and they were going to come study our churches and say, what do they believe in? What do they not believe in? Most would have to say, they come away saying, well, they don't believe much in prayer because I don't really see them practicing it much. You know, they believe in great leadership. They believe in good sermons. They believe in great theology. They believe in expositional preaching. Um, they might believe in the Reformation. They might believe in um, transubstantiation. All kinds of different things that say, well, th- they really believe in this. But very few would they go to a church where they came away and say, man, these people really believe in prayer. You know, we can quote verses about it. We can look at John fifteen four and say, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We can look at, we can quip out First uh, Thessalonians five seventeen. Pray without ceasing. Like we know these verses. We got lots of head knowledge about prayer, but we don't have very much praying muscles. If that makes sense. It's like we've been studying about it all this time, but we we don't actually ever get around to doing it, and it's not. It's not usually our first place we turn sometimes. Someone says, what do you think about this? I'm like, well, let me think about it. When what I really should be saying is, well, let me pray about it. And sometimes I'll, I'll catch myself and I'll switch that. And I hope it's not just so I appear more spiritual, but I'm really trying to say, no, 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 listen. I said I'll think about it because we would definitely say we, re- we rely on our intellect a lot. But do we rely on our prayer? And that's what I'm trying to flip in my own life. It's something God's been working on me recently. It's like, hey, you're not you're not praying very much. What do you think you're gonna what do you think you're gonna get out of this? Anyway, we take classes on prayer, we read books on prayer, we even might teach a class on prayer, preach a sermon on prayer. But when it comes down to it, we're still not really praying. And that's the vast majority. That doesn't mean everybody, you may be a, a great listener out there and you pray a lot. If you do, maybe reach out to me. I would like to have some guests on that have a very vibrant and uh, full prayer life that's full of power and full of God, full of reliance on God. So I'm open to somebody. I've got a couple of people. Uh, one guy lives down in the southern part of New Mexico, 
and I hope to get him on one of these days. And he has a praying ministry. That's the main thing he does is pray. So hopefully we'll get him on there. But when it comes down to it, we have to start developing this this muscle. And a lot of the problem is our head knowledge versus like what we're actually doing. And it's kind of like the idea that I could teach you about shooting a basketball. I could give you a lecture on it. And I could lecture you for a year or two on shooting a basketball. But in the end, you're still not going to shoot a basketball very good unless you go out and you practice and you dribble the basketball and you shoot the basketball and your muscles start learning how how much they need to extend, how hard they need to contract in order to throw this ball through this metal ring up in the air, how much arch you need. All of those things, you really only get it by doing it. So I had this kind of aha moment for me. I used to work for a real estate company named Keller Williams, and they were a a good company. And they, uh, the CEO, Gary Keller, and a guy named Jay Papasan wrote a book, and it was called The One Thing. And it was a book... It's for, you know, everything they have comes out of real estate, but this book was really one that transcended real estate because it was really more about priorities. I highly recommend it. Uh, The one thing you can find it anywhere you can find books. And in it, they had this one question. And when this thought really happened to me, I was down at one of these big national, national conferences, and I knew already that the Lord would has changed some of his plans for us or made known his next plan for us and that we were going overseas. So I was still working in it, but I knew that's what was coming. And in this book, they asked this one question, and the question is, is so great. And it says, what's the one thing I can do such that in doing it, it will make everything else easier or unnecessary? Now think about that a minute. I'm going to say it again because it's such a great question. What is the one thing I can do? such that in doing it, it will make everything else easier or unnecessary. And as they were talking to us about this in real estate, in that form of business, the obvious answer is generating more leads, whether that's doing better marketing or whether that's calling people. Like There's all kinds of different ways you could do that, but the one thing you need to do is generate more leads, and they can show time and time again where people that would spend three or four hours every day doing that, that they would block off that time schedule, that that would solve every other problem. And it might create some problems, but now you have the money to pay someone else to deal with those problems. Like, it was just good. And so as I was sitting there, and they're talking about this and this question, and I know I'm going to go overseas, so the question I posed to myself was this, is what's the one thing I could do such that in doing it, it would make everything else easier or unnecessary overseas where I'm going. And for me, it kind of snapped right there. It's like, you know, the really, it would be prayer. If I would pray three hours a day, I'm pretty sure that would, that would make everything else easier or unnecessary. God working through prayer would either take problems out of the way, bring people into faith, show me where to work. Like, all of these things would be good things. Now, practically... Even though I know knew that, I still know that I never, I never could even get up to an hour a day. My prayer muscles were weak, and I met some people while I was overseas that had, I'm gonna say, great prayer muscles. This is a, a free one. But if you know some Koreans that are believers, this is a generalization. But as a generalization, they are some of the most fervent people in prayer that I personally have ever experienced. It might be good. Go ask a Korean person, man, how, teach me, let me pray with you. Teach me to pray. 
Let's pray together. Or, yeah, let's pray together, and then you tell me, tell me how I can pray better. Anyway, I find that they are just often very dedicated to prayer, and often it shows in the work that they do. For me, this came up again. I was studying through Luke um, with a guy that I'm discipling, and we were we're on Luke chapter nine, and I was reading about studying about the transfiguration, and I just thought it, the thing that struck me or that that jumped out to me. It starts in Luke 9, starting about verse 28. It starts going through that. He goes up on the mountainside. He takes Peter, James, and John, and they go up there to pray. And it says, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became. And so we all know about the transfiguration, but what had never never really jumped out to me is that the transformation in Jesus, his transformation, transfiguration in this case, sorry, his transfiguration happened as he was praying. He didn't go up to the mountain, snap his fingers three times. I'm sure he could have if he wanted to. He was God in the flesh. But what he did is he went up, and as he was praying, I don't understand how it all happened. I'm not theologically smart enough. But what I do know is that he transfigured himself, or or God the Father transfigured him, and and his face became... uh, his face changed and his clothes became so bright, like a flash of lightning, like this amazing thing. Only three people physically alive witnessed it at that time, three of the disciples. And as I was studying that, what I really felt like Jesus was saying, he said, James, you know, I will transform you as you pray. Now, I'm a thinker. I like thinking about things. I like reading things. I like trying new ideas. I like discussing things with people. And in in theory, in my head, I like to pray, but not really that much and not really that often. And, you know, like there's there's some prayers you kind of go through the day and I'm, you know, a little talking to God, maybe maybe some of all the day, somewhat. But in terms of like actually getting down, setting time aside, devoting a time, this this is important. I need to put time into this. We just don't, I just don't see it in my life that often. And when I think about this, or, or what I want you to consider in praying, it's a quote, I don't remember who said it, but basically they said, when you pray, are you praying until God hears you, or do you pray until you hear God? And that secondary function, the second section, the latter, that's the thing we need to focus on. Like, we're praying until we hear God. And yes, we bring our requests before the Lord. We lift people up before the Lord. We bring prayer requests. But what really the most transforming prayer is those prayers where we hear God speak, where God directs something back into our life, whether that's a command, go do this, whether it's a rebuke, you need to stop doing that whether it's just his love pouring over us, any way in which he speaks. This prayer being a communication where we have them both back and forth. History is replete with examples of people that that had huge ministries that were always preceded and influenced heavily by prayer. I don't know of any great move of God without it, and I do know that I would love to see a great move of God. So if I'm going to do that, I need to pray. If you're going to do that, you need to pray. You know, Luke 19.10, Jesus is saying, he said, I came to seek and save the lost. And I always, I have a big focus in that. That's maybe part of my motivational gifts from God. Big focus on the lost. And Jesus is out there. 
And there's currently, I think, roughly 6 billion lost people in the world, give or take a little bit. And it would sure be great if I knew what Jesus was doing in the lost that are near me and around me and that come and flow in and out of my life. If I could know what he was doing, if I could hear what he was saying, if I could follow his commands, how much more effective would I be? And all of that comes from prayer. I think there's a lot of great things you can do. I want to give you just a few tips. This has not come from me as an expert. Some of it comes from me having tried to really develop a great prayer life a number of times and always failed. Some of them may be things I've read or experienced or seen in other people. First thing is just start slow. Like, I know theoretically in my head, if I prayed three hours a day, it would make every ministry infinitely more fruitful. Jumping from not a lot to three is probably nearly impossible. Like your muscles, it's kind of like, it's kind of like I just had surgery, you know, about two months ago. I spent a lot of my time lying flat on my back, uh, resting, keeping pressure off the joint. It'd be kind of like me saying, hey, let's go run a marathon tomorrow. All right, I'm going. It's not going to happen. Even if I physically walked that far, oh, that, that, oh. I just I will, I will die, at least from pain, if not physically die. So the same thing. Start slow, and and you can have an incremental goal. I had a Korean lady that was a great prayer told us one time. She said, part of it is you just set a time, like set your alarm to ring, so you're not having to look at your clock all the time, and just pray until it until it goes off. But start with like 15 minutes. Start with a, a smaller amount. Because you could do that daily. 15 minutes a day, we could we could work that in. We could reprioritize some things. We could play a little less Bejeweled. We could play a little less on our Facebook feed. You know, like all these different things. Let's pray a little bit more. Talk a little bit less. And you could also throw some fasting in with there. That's another thing we don't do a lot in the States, or at least not the groups I've been associated with most. And I was reading a great book the other day. I believe it's called The Kingdom Unleashed. So I was just getting it started and then I'm sidetracked on another one. But he was talking about, you know, a lot of places in the world, they're much more adamant about prayer and fasting. And he was using this example of some people in Africa he knew. And at that same time, I have a friend that I met overseas who had also traveled to that country. And he was he's from Ivory Coast. And he and I, we pray once once a week, give or take, we pray together. And that was something that he uh, asked if we could do, and I thought, that's a great idea. And as I'm reading these things, and I we get together this week, he's like, oh, sorry, we've been really busy. Our church has been doing a 10-day fast. And I was like, 10-day fast? I mean, your whole church? You know, and then like a week or two later, he was like, yeah, now we're starting a, a three-week fast that we always do at the end of every year. I'm like, man, that's so great. And I actually remember in college, you know, when you're young and you're zealous and you're in college and you're just go, 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 and we're going to do this thing. And uh, you haven't got knocked on your tail end quite enough yet, but uh, but you're zealous and it's good. And you got this energy. I remember this group, a couple of guys, and they were like, hey, we're going to we're gonna fast for 10 days and start really praying. We're going to pray together. And so we did that. We we prayed together for quite a while, but none of us, I don't think any of us made the fast longer than three or four days, maybe five. And that was like, boy, that was a, that was a challenge. You know, so start small. Uh, Jesus doesn't 
I don't think he expects you to go from zero to 100 miles an hour. And he doesn't expect you to do it on your own merit. There is some stuff we need of self-control. That's a fruit of the Spirit, by the way. But start with like one meal. One meal a week, I'm going to fast. And I'm going to pray while I'm fasting that meal. And all through that day, I'll be a little bit more in tune with God. And then, you know, as you get used to that, then add it in. Well, now I'm going to do two meals. And work your work your way up. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But I think that's a great way. This first step, start small. Start slow. Let these baby steps grow as you learn to hear God, learn to spend time praying. It's good. Two is pray for more things than just physical things. It's so easy. This world's a broken place. And when I say broken place, I mean it's physically broken and it physically breaks people. If we look through our list of Facebook friends or whatever, like how many people are undergoing some sort of physical problem right now? It's great to pray for those. I don't, I'm not saying don't pray for those, but I'm saying pray for more than that. Like how many how many spiritual things are going on that you need to pray about? I had an old boss once, and he would often say, everything you see that you experience with your five senses is only about 20% of reality, and the other 80% is happening in the spiritual realm. And so... Pray for pray for people's salvation. Pray for your church. Pray for growth. Pray, um, pray against against Satan and his forces. Pray for a, a movement of God in your area. Pray for a movement of God in your own life. There's another great uh, story. I'll have to look it up. Maybe I'll try to put it in the show notes. But one of the great revivalists of maybe like the late 1800s, and uh, I think he was Scottish. Anyway, I'll look it up. I'll put it in the show notes, and he had this group of young guys and they came to me they said man like we want to have we want to lead revivals like this like how do how do you do that what do you start and he said well you go to your room and you take a piece of chalk and you you draw a circle around yourself and then you fall down on your knees and you beg and you plead god to bring revival inside the circle i thought that was pretty cool and that was in a book called the circle maker which has some other uh, it's my mark batterson has some other Really great stories about prayer. It was an encouraging book on prayer. So the next thing that I've been using that's helped me do this is the Pray Through app. I have a friend that makes apps sometimes, and I was about to ask him, hey, like, hey, could you build an app for like prayer requests or prayer lists, you know? And then I had this brilliant idea. I should actually see if there's already one, and I won't bother him. So I got on there, and there was an app called the Pray Through app. Now what I've what I've done before is I've put important things on my calendar. So it's like a daily reminder, hey, pray. But then your calendar gets all filled up and it's a little bit unwieldy and such. So what I have now is I have one reminder that says prayer list. And then I have all my list on the app and it makes it a lot better. This one's pretty cool. It lets you do timetables in terms of I want to pray for this daily or every other day or once a week or once a month or whatever ratio you want, you can do that. It lets you put in notes, and it also has a thing where you can select some different scripture lists, and it'll pop up a scripture that you can pray for them. So I highly recommend checking out it or another prayer list app. We're busy people. Sometimes if we don't remind ourselves, it doesn't happen. And that's another good thing to do is to pray through scripture. Sometimes we're like, oh, what do we pray through? Well, go go look through the through Bible verses you've memorized or through some of the kingdom parables. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. You know, Pray through those parables. Pray through different verses. I think those can be uh, wonderfully powerful prayers when we pray, pray God's words back to him. 
It honors him and it also helps us. And then the last thing I want to give you that's helpful is once a quarter, go back and look at your prayers and see how many of them God has answered. A man named Kirk that was on our podcast earlier said, you know, you'd be amazed at how many prayers God has answered within a three-month period. But if you don't go back and review it, you don't know it. So that's me on prayer. I need to pray more. I'm working on it, starting at that that 15-minute base and going to try once a week to do a a one-meal fast, and we'll try to work on it and grow it from there. And I really believe that the more we pray, the better our ministry is, the better our disciple-making is, the better of a disciple we are. Like, ultimately, God is always going to do the work. And if we're not in communion with Him, we're not going to be transformed, and the work is not going to get done, or at least not through us. God may use a different tool. Anyway, I appreciate you guys. I know I've asked for this a time or two before, but I'd really appreciate it if you would give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's not going to make us the greatest podcast in the world, but it will help other people see our podcast. Hopefully it will have an influence on more churches making disciples more intentionally, and that's what we would really like more than anything else. So we appreciate it. Until next time, go and make disciples and go and make praying disciples by being one. So God bless you guys, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.